And why aren't you in uniform? It's about time you got here! Here you go, your majesty. Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are continuing our sail through the third season of SpongeBob SquarePants. Today's episode is Can You Spare a Dime? It is the second half of the 47th episode of SpongeBob. It first premiered on March 8th, 2002, and it is written by Jay Lender, Sam Henderson, and Meriwether Williams. Our storyboard artist is Caleb Muner. Our storyboard directors are Jay Lender and Sam Henderson. Our animation director is Sean Dempsey, and our creative director is Derek Dryman. First off, I just wanted to thank all of you who had checked out our 100th episode last week and who sent along your kind words uh, through social media. All of the reception for that episode has been absolutely wonderful. Uh, if you haven't already, please check it out. It's not based on a SpongeBob episode. Um, it's just a, a time for us to just kind of talk about other parts of life and uh, and celebrate the life of Steven Hillenburg, uh, to shout out some charities and organizations that were close to both me and, and to those I feel are, are close to the show as well. So um, definitely check out that episode. And, uh, and yeah, we're going to continue on our sail through the third season. We're not stopping there just because we hit... 100. We're not stopping anytime soon. Um, I, I, like, unless I just truly get bored of talking about SpongeBob SquarePants. I, I, I don't really see this ship stopping uh, at any port anytime soon unless we are at the uh, final episode of SpongeBob. Then then it's a time to, to reconsider what we're doing. But we're not anywhere there soon, so let's uh, let's continue on. Third season, Can You Spare a Dime? A, a play on words of a classic uh, Bing Crosby song uh, from 1930. The title... Uh, brother, can you spare a dime? Now, in thought, if you're going to ask somebody for a, for a change, like, a, can you spare a dime? The the idea is that you're not going to get anything back for that. Um, if somebody asks you for a dime, when have you ever given that up and then ever asked your friend or family member or even somebody in public, like, hey, can I get that dime back? Or have you ever, has, I mean, I'm sure there's been uh, people out there who have held a dime up on a, on a friend or a family member, like, you still owe me that 10 cents. I'm sure that has happened. I am sure there have been arguments over petty change like that. But that's kind of the implication is, like, you're you're just kind of giving something up uh, for nothing. And we get a lot of that in this episode. It actually it actually covers a great deal. And um, if, if you have dealt with uh, somebody who might be considered a moocher or a freeloader in your life, then this episode... Might be funny, but also might uh, might bring up some PTSD if you have that over uh, over those kind of situations. I can tell you that when you when you deal with a friend or a family member who may be taking advantage of you uh, a little bit longer than you anticipated or even at all, uh, it, it can make for a stressful moment. Like those times are kind of intense because un unfortunately people are, are all wired differently, all have different expectations on what's right, what's not right. And, and usually unless you're like completely open and have really long conversations about what annoys you and what doesn't, sometimes people overstep lines constantly and, and without that like communication can just cause big rifts between people. And, and we do get a bit of that in this episode, but it starts innocently enough 
at the closing of the Krusty Krab. It is clearly right after they just closed the restaurant. Mr. Krabs is counting the register, which which if you're a manager, that's like one of the first things you do once you close the store is, hey, you're going to count the money in the register. Uh, SpongeBob is busy mopping, which once again is a job you do right when you close down, uh, of course, a restaurant or any store. If you, if you can mop, you want to clean those floors up. Uh, but Squidward, for some reason, is just standing off counting his tentacles it's this little sequence where each character is counting something and uh, at the end of that sequence uh, squidward just asks if he can go home to which spongebob comes in knowing the crusty crab work manual the employee manual inside and out to the subsection like apparently spongebob can recite the entire crusty crab manual front and back and knows every little nook and cranny and is apparently has had there's been like second revisions of this employee manual and Mr. Krabs seems to just put literally every just cover every base with this manual of of questioning there's not a it doesn't seem like at least from the information we get which uh, SpongeBob comes in to let Squidward know that that all employees have to stay until the last register is counted the last receipt has been has been found um, which, which actually, look, as as a, someone who has uh, been in many manager positions, counting registers and tills at the end of the night is a common practice right when you close, and it is also common for employees not to leave until that that process is done. Or usually, while you're doing that, there's other things in the store, depending on where you're working, that need to be done in that closing time. Um, so. There, yeah, in some cases, if somebody obviously has has something to attend, a dinner, or a, you know, hey, I'm going to a movie. If somebody asks for if they could leave right at closing, like, yeah, sure, it's not it's not usually a, a big deal. But uh, for Mr. Krabs, it's a big deal that everybody stays until everything is is done and ready to go. Uh, now everything seems kosher. We're we're good to go. The, all the money seems to be accounted for, except that Mr. Krabs cannot find his very first dime. In the register. Now, my first question to Mr. Krabs in this moment is if this dime is so important that you're literally going to ruin the relationships of your of your employees and your friends like over this dime, is this important for you? Why is it constantly in the register? Shouldn't you keep that in your safe? Shouldn't you keep that in your office somewhere? Or if, you know, in your desk? I don't know. It just seems like an odd place to keep this this special dime and and not spoiling anything but um certainly not a place you'd want to keep that thing um but mr krabs cannot find his first dime and immediately he goes from like zero to ten on squidward being the one at the register and that squidward must have stolen it like it's not he's not going through the the natural processes that anybody would if they've misplaced something um, he immediately just attacks Squidward at the thought that Squidward must have stole his his dime, which once again, I mean, it's it, it is a, a dime's a dime. Now, obviously, no one should be taking money out of your register. If you're if you work somewhere, I mean, taking a penny out of a register and putting it in your pocket. Yes. At the end of the day, it's a penny, but that's not your penny. Like that's that's the company's penny. Don't touch that. So even if Squidward was, you know, pocketing a dime and you don't find that as a big deal, or, you know, worth getting that angry over. I mean, where's your line? What at what what amount of currency could somebody take out of a register before you go, hey, don't do that? Uh, I would say penny. Don't even take a penny. It's not it's not worth it. Um, you're, you're working. You're making money to be able to buy things. Stealing from your job is never a smart thing. Don't steal from the register. Don't steal 
um, from from the inside of your of your store. Don't do any of that. It's just not worth it. Save your money and buy stuff. And and if you really need a dime, you know, don't uh don't just steal it from the register. You can find a dime on the floor. But uh, yeah, Mr. Krabs immediately accuses Squidward of misplacing this dime, uh, stealing it. Like, if, if it's not in the register and I can't find it, then you 100% must have stolen it. Now, obviously, to blame any character for stealing from the register, Squidward would be the first one because he is at the register all day. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's incredibly silly for Mr. Krabs to immediately go after Squidward this intensely. Um I have had that happen once in my life before. There has been one time where I was accused of stealing from from a, a store I worked at, and it was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever come across. It's one of my favorite stories to tell people, so I might, I might as well tell it here for the podcast. But uh, at one point in my life, I was uh, an employee of, of Rite Aid, a chain of pharmacies here in North America. I believe at this point now they have been bought up by uh, Walgreens and just kind of all of them have been converted. I don't know if there still exists some Rite Aids out there that are like being converted to Walgreens at some point. But yeah, one point in time, I, I worked at Rite Aid. I was a cashier, a trainer, um, was never really keyed, but uh, I, I had a, a nice position at this store and, and I was I did my job well. Uh, there were parts of it I obviously didn't enjoy, but for the most part, I enjoyed the job. Uh, now, the uh, the LP manager for our area, which for those that don't know, LP stands for loss prevention. And in stores, those who work for loss prevention are there to prevent loss. It's kind of in their description there. Well, what does that mean? They're there to stop people, uh, to stop obviously stealing um, from outside sources and also from theft and stealing from inside sources, people who steal inside and out. Like they're there to prevent the product to go missing from from a store. Um, now, I had a wonderful correspondence with our LP manager. She was a very nice woman who anytime she visited our store, like there was nothing but, you know, wonderful things to say. She was a, a great woman to have around. Um, I just remember always being happy when she showed up. But there was one time that I was not happy. That she showed up and on this occurrence had brought me into our office and had sat me down and essentially accused me of stealing a shaving kit like a, a big expensive uh, shaving kit that had gone missing in our store um, now for those who have ever seen pictures or videos of me should know that I pretty much have a beard in almost everything and I've had a beard since I could have grown one and I've always kept it fairly, you know, trimmed and maintained and, and knew when the right times were to shave to help grow that thing out. And I, I have a nice beard. I, I enjoy having facial hair. I don't really look that that good without it. But um, so I'm sitting here with a with a full beard with somebody accusing me um, pretty intensely, like almost as intensely as Mr. Krabs here, like as if it was a definite thing that had, that had occurred. And here I am with a full, you know, beard, and I'm being accused of, of stealing a shaving kit, like a, a facial shaving kit, um, like one of those big, uh, definitely like a chargeable, you know, face shaver, something. I, I don't know how much it was, but it definitely was was a, a pretty expensive piece and, and had gone missing. And um, after she was done kind of speaking and saying her piece, which I, I don't even remember other than the fact that, like, maybe I worked on the day they couldn't find it. 
But uh, after she, when she was done speaking, and she's, you know, do you have anything to say for yourself? And I, I would, like, it was the most shocked I almost had ever been in my life because it was just, um, I, I couldn't even right now. I'm having trouble coming up with the words of like, man, I, ma'am, I have a beard. I'm not shave, you know, I don't shave this. I haven't shaved this off in in years. And her response to me was, you know, it looks it looks a lot thinner than the last time I saw you. Um, implying as if I used the kit and I was like, well, and, and this is pretty much true to this day, unless I'm taking my beard down, you know, in, in big sizes. But I was like, I, I use scissors to trim this thing. I don't buy anything really expensive. Um, even when I do decide to shave or when I have the, uh, the razors for trimming it up, they're like, they're single use shavers. I don't spend that much to maintain this. So I, I like I apologize to her like I'm sorry that this thing is missing but I, I don't know what to tell you I I um I'm not the person you're looking for if, if you firmly believe that this thing was stolen uh funny end of this story like she's still even after I said my piece and and the she left that meeting as if like I 110 percent had stolen this thing. And funny story was, I believe, like, I, like three days later when there was, like, a massive, we, we were, like, redoing the back room, re-cleaning things, moving shelves, boom, there's the shaving kit. It was in our back room, like, the exact same one that we were looking for. Remember, my manager found it, and I'm like, you immediately message that that uh, that manager and tell her that you found that in the back and and that like I'm I was upset about that and our relationship at that point I think I had saw her maybe one or two times afterwards it it was never the same like she was just never as cheerful towards me I don't know if she felt embarrassed over it or if she was just still angry about it because I I'm telling you guys like I have never it literally when you watch this episode and you and you see how intensely Mr. Krabs went after Squidward and acted as if like he knew it it that it had to be fact that was the pretty much the same intensity, not of an, a cartoon level, but as intense as an LP manager could be towards an employee uh, with like zero evidence. Uh, like I said, other than the fact, I think that I had just worked on the day where we just said, Hey, we can't find this thing. I don't think it's in the store anymore and shrunk it out. Um, but yeah, that's uh, so I I've been in Squidward's position before. I, I have and and Squidward really, you know, so when he gets get back back to SpongeBob, when Squidward gets accused of stealing this dime, he of course didn't steal a dime and and says his piece like I didn't steal anything. And for as intense as Mr. Krabs was towards him, Squidward, of course, feels very disrespected in this situation and completely just up and quits his job at the Krusty Krab. And and for that I say rightfully so. If you work at a location and, you know, we know that Squidward is not the best employee at the Krusty Krab, but he is a long-standing employee who, as far as I know, doesn't constantly call out. He comes in, he does his job, and even if it, he has a frown on his face um, and, and is a bit of a grump towards customers, he's he's there and doing it. You know, he's there to just accept, you know, take people's orders, accept money, and get them their food. I, I you know, I know people love exceptional customer service, but, like, to walk in and accept and expect exceptional is one thing like you you should go in and at least know all right bare minimum i'm gonna pay money for something and i'm gonna get something if the employees obviously if they're like making your uh trip worse 
than it is. I can understand that. But if an employee, just because they might not have a smile on their face and they might not be like extraordinarily cheerful, hey, look, if they're if they're doing the job, just just move on with your day. Just like you got your stuff, move on. I, I don't think Squidward is is that bad in the position, especially when dealing with like the restaurant like business. It it can be crazy. Um, uh, obviously, don't be a Squidward. Try to be a bit more of a SpongeBob. Just like have personal pride in in what you do. But you know, hey, look, it, it's the Krusty Krab. It's not it, it, for it's a career for these guys, but for for some people, you know, fast food places like that is not a career. You're there just for a, a certain amount of time. But hey, you should have pride in what you're doing, and it, that may help set you up for the future. It's all about who you know out there. Uh, but yeah, Squidward stands up for himself and quits the Krusty Krab and is not going to take this abuse from Mr. Krabs, rightfully so. Um, I, I stand with Squidward in this, and I actually, I like, I think it's one of Squidward's best moments, honestly. It, it's a moment in which he was put in a crummy situation, as he usually is, but he took the reins of this situation and 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 made a decision for himself instead of the decision happening for him. So I, I really like seeing Squidward right here. Um, now he quits and SpongeBob runs after Squidward, of course, doesn't want him to quit. But it's funny because the conversation they have leaving the Krusty Krab, SpongeBob is talking to Squidward as if he as if they're not neighbors and they're basically work buddies. Um, Now, if, if you have been in the workforce for a while, you know what like a work friend is. It's somebody that like when you're together at work, you gel with extremely well um which is great because having a good work friend can help ease a lot of stress from the job um but a work friend you you might hang out with them you know a few times outside of work but once you stop working with one another things kind of die down um that doesn't mean that you didn't appreciate your friendship but it's just like you know, you 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 move on. There's all you're always gonna have those friends at a job that once you're one of you would not work in there, the communication just becomes minimal. You know, if at, at that at best, sometimes you just never talk to people again. But you got to appreciate those people that you worked with in those moments. Sure, you maybe you didn't continue a friendship for years beyond, but you you came together and you were helping each other get through a a job. So uh, rock on all work friends, past, present and future. Uh, But yeah, the the conversation they're having is if they're not uh, neighbors like they like SpongeBob is like, I'm never going to see Squidward again. He's that's is the way he's coming across. And Squidward is acting as if just because he's quitting the Krusty Krab, he's immediately moving out of his house. I mean, if I was SpongeBob, I'd like, all right, I'll see you the next. I'll see you tomorrow. Like, you're not going to be working here, but you're going to be at home. But uh, for for comedically for this episode, I think it works. It's it's incredibly funny how they're they're coming across here in this situation. Um, but yeah, Squidward has a really good level of confidence for himself here that he can do anything in the world that he puts his mind to. And I like I like that he says that. Uh, SpongeBob though gives him a little bit he's a good friend he gives him a little bit of a confidence boost and also to let him know hey if you ever need you know you need me for anything if you need a place to to go I'll be here uh you know it's it's the kind of things I would say to people I truly care about like the the like the close friends I have the people who hey if you ever need anything just give me a call give me a text uh, I'm there for you if I can um I get that and SpongeBob is being a really good friend here 
what immediately happens, though, is we get a mass. I don't want to say massive time jump, but we get this very quick comedic time jump where Squidward says essentially that he'll have Bikini Bottom eating out of his hand in no time or it just in no time. He's going to be incredibly successful. The, the scene immediately transitions to Squidward very clearly homeless living outside of a cardboard box tattered clothes five o'clock shadow begging for change on the streets of bikini bottom it is very sudden i we don't know how much time has passed uh but we can guess it's been a while because when spongebob comes across squidward almost immediately inside this box it the, their conversation it's so funny because it's as if it's been years like it like if you haven't seen somebody in 10 years and then you find them again homeless on the street and SpongeBob's like, "Hey, it's me. We used to work together, remember?" Like that this whole the last like few minutes of this sequence, the fact that their conversation outside of the Krusty Krab transitioning to this and then this conversation is just so funny that they went with they just ignored the fact that these guys are neighbors and they have all this history with one another and and then all these years have passed on and I like comedically I love how they got to this level. Um now SpongeBob is oblivious to what we all see when we see Squidward in that moment. Um homelessness is not a joke. Uh there are people out there who even those who may be listening to this show who are in rough situations and um, may not find themselves in a place that they can call a home. And, there, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions out there when it comes to the homeless and just homelessness as a concept. Um, the, the best that I can say, because I'm certainly no expert on it and, and certainly... Um, even with all I've I've soaked in as far as information is concerned, uh, can admit that like I I will I still have more to learn out there. Um, but I I can say that whatever you think you know about just the homeless or the ideas or how they get there or the situations people may be put in, you don't know. Like I still hear things to this day that shock me and like change my understanding and uh even if you're you're older than i am there there are there's just so much in this world to still learn and uh and yeah the the homeless part of squidward here like uh, they they wrote it in fine like none of this was a joke but i'm just saying in general like you, you don't know it's not really it's not funny like it, it just isn't but um it's a, it's a great vehicle here to to just have squidward is so down in his luck the one joke that does come in here, though, is that even he is so down on his luck that even the cardboard box he is residing in pretty much gets repossessed. Um, we don't see how Squidward loses all of his stuff, but without a job, without making income, uh, there are a lot of ways you can find yourself in, in this situation with Squidward. Now, from what we know, he doesn't outright own his house. He must have a mortgage on it he's paying because then if he can't pay that mortgage... And the bank takes it back over. That's how he easily loses his Tiki Island home. So uh, that that might give us some context as far as uh, Squidward's ownership of the of that house. But so we we have Squidward here now, boxless, completely living on the street, and SpongeBob oblivious to it, which is really sweet for his character. That um, even even as how Squidward looks on the street and and seeing him in in this 
current moment uh, is oblivious to the fact that he is homeless, is still thinking like, oh, you're a football player because you're stinky and your clothes are ripped. It's just another endearing part of the character. Uh, Now, once Squidward comes to terms and admits to SpongeBob, you know, that he uses the term loser and uh, self-deprecation can obviously be a useful tool when in suffering. Um, But, you know, if you find yourself in a situation like this, like never at any point can should you be considering yourself a loser unless Hey, unless you purposely put yourself there, then yeah, that's maybe something you can use. But I I don't know. I felt bad for Squidward in this situation because it's not like he was fired and then found himself in the streets. Like, I know he made the decision to quit, but I thought he made the right decision there. So I just feel bad he wasn't able to to find more work or, you know, seeing how lazy he is in this episode later on. Who knows how much he was really looking for work after quitting the Krusty Krab. He may have just decided to be extremely lazy, be a... Try to be a stay-at-home artist. Uh, I like not that that's lazy because as long as he's working on art. But uh, yeah, clearly, clearly, like looking for jobs is not something Squidward does. That's a fact. So I don't know if after quitting he was immediately looking to get back into the workforce. But uh, yeah, SpongeBob sees and finally admits that you know, okay, Squidward is down on his luck. He finds himself in this rough situation. SpongeBob does the the good friend deed of taking Squidward into his home, at least for a, a, de- a small amount of time to get him back up on his feet, which, hey, if you're if you're a good person and you, you know, even if you don't have the space, helping a friend, you know, something you'd probably do um, if somebody is that close with you. Now, SpongeBob is so nice that it's not like he's letting Squidward stay on his couch. He's giving up his bed for Squidward to stay in and and taking the couch himself, which uh, is just a good host. I'm not saying that he would be wrong having Squidward stay on the couch. I mean, look, if, if beggars can't be choosers, if you're if, if you're out on the street and somebody offers you to to stay on their couch, you know, you you're like first question shouldn't be like, well, why not a bed? Like, no, you you just take the couch. It's better than on the ground. It's better than in a cardboard box. So, uh, but like SpongeBob goes that extra mile of being a friend to make sure that Squidward has that extra level of comfort. But but of course, this all leads to his own issue and his own detriment. Now, SpongeBob tries to tell Squidward earlier when he quits that uh, that life basically no one is going to serve you happiness on a silver platter. SpongeBob tries to be real about the world. And hey, you know, there there are those out there that, uh, you know, if you are born in a certain situation, yeah, life does kind of hand you happiness on a silver platter well not happiness happiness is subjective it's not all about money or wealth but um i don't even mean being born in a in a situation where it's just inherently wealthy you might just be born in a situation that might lead to just easier happiness than others um but yeah it, no one is going to serve you happiness happiness is is sublime you got to find it yourself because it's not a person or a thing or a place or money it, it what it's it could be anything if anything can make you happy, it's just a feeling. Uh, but yeah, no one's going to serve you happiness on a silver platter. Um, with, I mean, the joke then being that somebody immediately shows up to SpongeBob with a uh, platter of cookies, freely gives him one, and then just forgets Squidward. Uh, but here's SpongeBob, like, serving up all this love and attention to Squidward on a silver platter. We We get a montage of the amount of pampering and babying that SpongeBob is doing to Squidward now. That sounds harsh, but here's the thing. 
for a bit of it, I do think SpongeBob is doing uh, a really good deed because I think when somebody is down on their luck like that, and and I and just saying from personal experience, when you feel down, um, your your confidence goes down, and people might say like obvious things you can do to fix your uh, position, but sometimes if that confidence isn't built it's tough moving forward and and trying to you know get back uh i i think especially when you're when you're find yourself in squidward's situation um he he definitely it feels super appreciative of spongebob at first and it's very clear that we're dealing with a less confident squidward than the last time we saw him so I think SpongeBob is doing a great job in helping Squidward rebuild his confidence a little bit to get him back up on his feet, to get him back out in the workforce. But there's a moment in this montage that I think exemplifies the the wrong side of the situation in that SpongeBob uh, has a bottle for Squidward and is basically bottle feeding him milk, I'm guessing. He's babying him. And this is the, the, the you can like, help somebody gain their confidence back and, and help them out to a certain point. But I think SpongeBob crossed that line and went into full on, like I full on mother mode, took care of him to a, an extreme and helped create this monster that he now finds on himself. Um, now we, we follow after that montage, we find ourselves in a situation where you have now let someone overstay their welcome and the maybe the careful deeds they were doing at first when they were living with you or whatnot then stop happening and maybe they take a little bit more advantage here and there and uh, it just causes a mess. I, I don't think people are ever truly fully aware of everything they do because I just think what happens in these situations is... um like in Squidward's situation, for SpongeBob, who's constantly pampering him and babying him, and it's like a, a, a all-you-can-do spot, SpongeBob's house, where you don't even have to get out of bed. You can just call him hand and, and to do anything you want, hand over foot. Uh, not, not, not one point did SpongeBob ever say to him, hey, this is a little bit too much. He, he keeps quiet. He keeps telling Gary, even though Gary points out that Squidward is a bit of a freeloader, that he's a moocher. SpongeBob is still just keeping quiet, keeping to himself, and just like, I just want to make this guy happy. He wants to be a good friend, and he doesn't want to ruffle feathers. He doesn't want to get angry about it. But as we can see, when you don't say anything for a while, it just grows out of control and becomes a bigger issue. Uh, I love the nighttime scene with the stairs and light joke of SpongeBob having to begrudgingly go back up and down his stairs to bring Squidward water and to to close the shut the light off and eventually we get SpongeBob falling down the stairs like that whole bit I absolutely love it feels it feels like a almost like a classic Looney Tunes style bit and I I just absolutely adore those kind of jokes um we we get a, a, another joke here where the amount of time that it is been with SpongeBob and Squidward living with one another goes so long through through those our classic narrator time cards that we get a new narrator because the old one got so sick of waiting for Squidward to get up off of his feet that he quit the job and we get this new narrator voiced by D Bradley Baker uh which it like that whole sequence right there the the narrator quitting and being replaced one of my favorite SpongeBob bits 
I, I maybe maybe even top ten jokes. I I don't know. I've that's actually a good list to make. Like my my top jokes of SpongeBob SquarePants. That that would fit up there. I I always I always loved that. We now get after this new narrator has taken over. We now find ourselves in a situation where Squidward is a monster. He's not only fully taking advantage of SpongeBob and his kindness, but he's full on demanding SpongeBob to do literally everything uh, to wear a specific uniform, which, you know, why aren't you in uniform? Like, (laughs) how many how many adults in the room watching this sequence just who, who had never watched this episode before just died when they saw SpongeBob walk back in in a maid outfit? Uh, one another another grand slam of a joke here. Uh, I absolutely love it. The fact that he's in underwear too when we see the back is, it, it's just a gold moment that they could get on a on a children's show here. Uh, but yeah, we we get Squidward demanding SpongeBob dressing up as a maid. You know, bringing him soup, bringing him a television. Like he's demanding so much of this guy and is just so cranky and angry. And this is when you, like, if you have been in this situation. This is where that PTSD might kick back in, like if you know exactly what's going on and uh, and how Squidward is uh, is acting and, and how SpongeBob is being treated here. SpongeBob, though, has reached his boiling point with old Squidward and is now laying it on heavy with a lot of uh, uh, words and situations that it is time for Squidward to look for a job. He tries handing him the newspaper, in which we find out that Squidward apparently is is being allergic to is allergic to newsprint, which is extremely funny because if you think about that for a second, newsprint is ink, which we see Squidward produce in future episodes. Like the fact that he says he's allergic to ink is is hilarious. Uh, we get SpongeBob putting together a puppet show on the television instead of Squidward's stories that he requested in which two puppets discuss how cool it is to have a job and how it's really awesome to not mooch off of your friends. I, the fact that Squidward watches this puppet show for the amount of time he does is it like that made me laugh again this time because he he eventually like after the entire show is done he's like this isn't my stories and gets really angry but the fact that he watched that whole sequence which was spongebob you know putting on the puppet show inside of the television uh very much aimed at squidward the fact that he just sat there and watched that thing uh how many of you with cable have ever put on the television saw something that you weren't intending to watch and stayed there as long as squidward would i like I would immediately have turned the channel. The fact that he stayed there and listened to it for a little bit made me laugh. Um, now, at this point with SpongeBob, he doesn't even try after the puppet show to to hide the fact that he is telling Squidward to get a job. It's one of my favorite. There's a lot of favorites in this episode, but it's one of my favorite like SpongeBob anger moments is when he is on top of Squidward on the bed, screaming at him and overemphasizing every time he says the word job and like pressing his nose he like wants to get Squidward out of bed, out of his house, out of his uh, out of his life of currently this situation. Uh, once Squidward clearly doesn't even get that message of being screamed at job over and over, uh, SpongeBob grabs his bed, brings it over the Krusty Krab and demands that Mr. Krabs gives Squidward his job back. Uh, he also throws a bunch of dimes at Mr. Krabs to replace the missing dime that Mr. Krabs uh, continually thought Squidward stole. 
while it's funny because he inspects the dime that that SpongeBob gives to him, and it, we turn it turns out that it's not anything like his his first dime, and SpongeBob throws more dimes at him, and it's one of our like first times ever seeing Mr. Krabs turn down money. We've seen this guy do and say the craziest things for even a penny. And so just see him like turn away all these times is, is actually it's it's really funny and shows off like how much he, he loved, obviously, this first time. But then when we get the the realization after SpongeBob shakes Mr. Krabs furiously in the air and calls him a uh, a crustaceous cheapskate uh, for the second time in the show thus far, the dime that was missing out of the register falls out of the pocket of Mr. Krabs and breaks the floor of the Krusty Krab. It is, in fact, a rye stone uh, dime. Well, rye stones don't really have currency value to them as far as, like, a, a dime being 10 cents. But what a rye stone is, is uh, one of many large artifacts that were manufactured and treasured by the native inhabitants of the Yap Islands in Micronesia. Uh, these are also known as Yapese stone money. And these things can even be like the, the picture of what I'm looking at is eight feet in height. And it's just this massive stone circle looking exactly like the one that Mr. Krabs drops out of his pocket or it has some markings on it and it has it looks like a wheel. But we get this comically large old rye stone that is apparently Mr. Krabs's first time. He has been in business a long time. And it's just I, like comedically, you couldn't go any better with if you had to eventually show off what this dime was it the fact that it was in his pocket this whole time and it's this massive large stone the fact that he holds that large stone in the register and then assumed squidward stole it uh just everything about it is hilarious what we get now is of course squidward gets to have his job back because mr krabs comes to the realization that you know well he has his dime back so that's all that matters but he then accuses squidward of not not just stealing the dime, but stealing it and then putting it back in his pocket when he when he wasn't looking. And the end of the episode has the two re-engaging in an argument while SpongeBob re-puts on his maid gear as if Squidward is going to have to move back in with him. But uh, that's the end of the episode. We we don't get a really final conclusion here about Mr. Krabs and his like obsession with uh, with thinking that Squidward had had stolen something, but. Uh, like even sticking with his ways, like the fact that it was in his pocket, he just couldn't admit that it was in his pocket the entire time. He had to he had to stay stoic and and continually blame Squidward, and and that is can you spare a dime? An absolutely great SpongeBob Squidward episode. They change up the dynamic here a little bit. Um, they and and I like it. It works a lot for this episode. It works for the comedy. It, it's very real. If you've been in situations like this, I like. Uh, I, I certainly can know from uh, not from personal experience, but um, even from secondhand experience, I, I've seen people take advantage of of others like this. Um, and, and like I said, sometimes it might not even be like a conscious thing. It's just like you, you, you constantly just take a little bit more. Yeah, it's a selfish thing inherently, but. Uh, like I some people don't do it just fully on purpose with the intention of getting this bad. But uh, yeah, it can be like a like an eye opening episode if you've been in this situation. And as far as like helping those who need it, I, as far as Captain Eric is concerned and how my philosophy is, I'm I'm always willing to help those who need it. But 
I also firmly believe in the philosophy of Spider-Man from Family Guy and and that everybody gets one. Like you you get one and if you if you're screw me over or if you take more advantage than expected, like don't don't expect there to be help that second time. Um, but, but look, always try to good, have a, have a good moral compass, help those that you love. That's, that's what we're about here, uh, as a part of the ready crew, being there for one another, helping each other out. Uh, and, and yeah, and that is, can you spare a dime? Thank you for listening to another episode of the square cast. Uh, here's to 100 episodes more, 200 episodes more. Uh, thank you for, for coming along this ride with me. If you are a new listener, welcome. Uh, being a part of the Ready Crew, it costs nothing. I will never ask a dime of you guys for, for being uh, a part of our family here. Um, that, that's not what this is about, and it really never will be. Um, I appreciate all of you for listening. Uh, thank you for continually listening. Here's to many more episodes of the Squarecast. And uh, please stay safe out there. Love one another. Uh, be there for one another. Be kind. And and if you are someone in Squidward's you know kind of situation, and there are those who extend their help, just just don't take don't take more than what is offered. Don't don't be a Squidward. But uh, appreciate all of you. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Oh, Dimey! I'll never lose you again. This is a dime. I've been in business a long time, boy. 